to, um, to speak to you this evening. About, around about New Year, well, it wasn't New Year, not roundabout, it wasn't New Year, I, um, hmm, oh, my overly manly stubble, that's creating that, afflicting the sound desk, I think it might be actually, the stubble is so long, Tom, that no matter how far I move it, carries on to be interfering, I'll use the handheld. How's that, Tom? Okay. You sound much more manly in this one than I say. Good, right, okay, anyway. So, around about New Year, at New Year, <laughs> I, um, I said to my son, Ben, he's eight years old, I thought this would be a good thing to do. So I said to him, just as we were coming up to you, I said, Ben, is there something that you'd like to do this year that you've, in 2013, that you've not done before? Something that you've, maybe something you've wanted to do something you'd find exciting, something that you haven't done before, something that you'd find challenging, or, or maybe something that you have done before, but you feel like it'd be really fun to do that again. And I said, look, if there's, if there's something you'd really like to do and it would be within the realm of possibility, then you know, we'll see if we can make it happen this year. And um, almost like completely just off the bat, without thinking about it, he said, Dad, this year I'd like to climb a mountain. And I thought, that is perfect. That is exactly the kind of thing that I, I didn't know what he was going to say, but it was exactly the kind of thing that I was hoping um, that he would say. And so, uh, cutting a long story short, um, I basically, around about Easter time, myself and a, a friend from Cambridge, a guy called Graham, uh, took uh, Ben, my son, and his two sons up to the Lake District for the weekend. And we spent the weekend, or uh, well, the Saturday anyway, climbing mountains together. And uh, we set off on off, and we, we climbed to the, we had one that we were going to climb. We thought, well, just do one, that'll be enough. And, um, but we got to the top, and they loved it so much that we thought, oh, let's just do another one. And in, over the course of the day, we ended up climbing five different summits, if you can call them summits, uh, in and around, well, not in and around, in the Lake District. And we had just this most amazing time. And it really felt um, like it was an adventure. I had an adventure with my eight-year-old son, and we had a fantastic time together. Last week, Mark spoke really helpfully on um, this idea of living life to the full, and that's what our, this little mini-series that we're doing is about, living life to the full. Jesus said in John 10.10 that I've come that you might have life in all of its fullness. And you know, I think that adventure is part of living a full life, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, actually adventure, I think, is part of what it means to live a full life. It's, adventure is the thing that stops life becoming boring and stale. And I'm not just talking about kind of extreme adventures like kind of, you know, trekking across Antarctica or climbing Everest or something. Obviously, they are adventurous things to do. But just those things which are out of the ordinary, where you step out and you take a little bit of risk, you do something that just takes you out of your comfort zone, something you've not done before, something you haven't experienced before, something where you have to rely on others or push yourself um, to, to new limits. Those things, those adventurous things, I think are a really amazing part of what, of what is living a full life. 
If you think about the great works of literature, the great films that people watch time and time again or read time and time again, often they're stories of adventures because adventures create stories. Me and Ben, we've talked lots of times about our adventure climbing um, the mountain um, earlier this year. I like to sit with friends that I've shared uh, adventures with and we talk about those things that we've done together. I'm sure you know exactly what I mean. The Old Testament is just full of adventure after adventure after adventure. It's the story of, of a man who built a boat to save the animals. It's a, it's a story of, um, of a man who, who led 300 soldiers in battle against thousands upon thousands and won. It's, it's the story of a boy who fought a giant. It's the story of a, of a, a woman who found herself uh, being able to go into the courts of a king in order to plead for her nation. The Old Testament is, is, is one adventure after another. It's such an amazing thing to read, isn't it? It's so inspiring. Children love the stories of adventure in the Old um, Testament. Adventure creates memories. It creates stories. And, you know, I think that Jesus calls us to a life of adventure. He calls us to a life in all of its fullness And part of that, I think, is living a life of adventure. So tonight I want to talk about that, and I just want to make three three simple points. The first one is that Jesus calls us to a life of adventure. The second one is that life isn't always an adventure. The third one is that Jesus calls us to a life of adventure. Now that may sound confusing, (laughs) but hopefully it will become clear as we go on. So let's turn to our reading. We're in Matthew, chapter 14, if you've got a Bible. Do turn to that, and um, we're going to start reading at verse 22. It says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this evening through this well-known 
story. Lord, would you call us again to uh, a life of adventure, following you. I ask it in your name. Amen. I really love this story. Um, It just seems quite funny really and, and sort of like a fun story do you know what I mean it's I mean basically what's happened is that Jesus has been um, fee- he's just fed the 5,000 just fed 5,000 people uh, men anyway and probably lots more including you know when you counted the women and the children he's fed all that crowd with uh, just a packed lunch just a tiny packed lunch that is an adventure that would be an adventure to be there, wouldn't it? To be surrounded by five, at least 5,000 people, hungry, and Jesus takes a small boy's packed lunch and he feeds the entire crowd with just a few loaves and a few fish. That is an adventure. And then Jesus says, um, to, so he dismisses the crowd, and he says to his disciples, says, you guys go on across the lake, go on ahead of me, and uh, I'll meet you. And, um, so, and then he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some time to pray. I don't want to talk about that, but it would be wrong for me not to highlight the fact that Jesus, having fed the 5,000 and before he caught up with his his friends, took some time to be alone and to pray. And so he does that, and then he comes down. It says, when evening came, he was there alone. The boat was already a considerable distance from land. It's almost like I, I kind of picture Jesus coming down to the shore and almost being like slightly surprised by the fact that the boat has gone and he's left there on his own. And he thinks, oh, okay, what am I going to do? And he thinks, this isn't a problem. This isn't a problem. I'll just take the shortcut. And so he, rather than sort of like thinking, oh, rather than going all the way around the shore of the lake and going for miles, he just thinks, no worries, I'll just go straight across the lake. That's brilliant, isn't it? What a brilliant thing. It's such a funny story that he would be able to do that. And of course, there's a huge amount of theology in this story. This is one of Jesus' miracles over creation. You'll know that Jesus' miracles are kind of grouped into, on the whole, three different groups. So Jesus performs miracles over sickness and death. And when he does that, Jesus shows his supreme authority over sickness and over death. There's other miracles where he casts out demons. And as he does that, Jesus shows his supreme authority over the work of Satan and over Satan himself as he sets people free from from being demonized. And then there's other miracles like this one where Jesus shows his supreme authority over creation. So he does things like feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish. He does things like calming storms. He turns water into wine. He walks upon the water. And Jesus shows his supreme authority over creation. And as we see those miracles, we see just the sheer breadth of the redemption that Jesus came to bring. That Jesus came to redeem everything. And he shows his complete authority in those different ways. And you know, for the Jew, the the sea was the place of chaos. It was the place of death and unknown things and and the place where forces of chaos reigned. That's why in Revelation it says um, that there was no more sea in the new heaven. There's no more sea. And I don't know whether that literally means that there's no ocean in heaven. But what it meant for the Jew was that there's no chaos There's no more chaos, there's no more death in heaven. 
And so Jesus, he walks out on top of the sea. You know, those, the laws of physics, um, the laws of physics that sort of govern our lives, they don't, they don't really apply all the time to Jesus. He has complete authority over what he's made. And so he walks out over the surface of the water on top of the stormy sea. So he goes out and he meets the guys on the boat. And as he's coming towards them, understandably, they're a little bit frightened. This isn't something that happens every day. They're a little bit alarmed about this. They're on the sea, which they're probably a little bit wary of anyway. And they see Jesus coming and they think that he's a ghost. And Jesus speaks to them. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter, in one of Peter's sort of characteristic moments of, of kind of madness and greatness all at once, he says, well, Lord, if, it, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I'd love to have seen the other disciples' face as he said that, looking at them, what are you talking about? And Jesus replied, Come. And so, Peter, the fisherman from Galilee, just ordinary Peter, steps out of the boat and he walks on the water. Apart from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I don't know of anybody else who's done that apart from Peter the fisherman from Galilee. Jesus invites him to come. Peter steps out of the boat and he walks towards Jesus on the surface of the water. That is an adventure. That's an adventure. Jesus invites him into his world. He says, come on, Peter. Come into my world. Come and walk on the water with me. John Wimber said that faith was spelt R-I-S-K. Faith is spelt risk. Sometimes Jesus invites us to risky living. He invites us to step out of that which is comfortable, that, is, that which is known, that which is secure, And he invites us into his world, into his kingdom. He says, come, come with me. Come and have an adventure with me on the surface of this lake. Peter gets out of the boat and trusts him and walks on the water. You know, those kind of adventures are formative, aren't they? I remember when I was was 19 years old, and um, basically what, what happened, little, just in a nutshell, was when I was doing my A-levels, I, um, I realised that I wasn't going to do as well in biology as I probably should have done, being my, my dad was a biology teacher. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put all of my effort into revising biology, and I'm going to hope for the very best that geography, which was my main subject that I wanted to do a degree in, that will take care of itself. 
So, I did that, and um, I went into this geography paper thinking this will be fine, and to my horror, it wasn't fine. And I remember afterwards, the geography teacher's going, man, that was a stinker of a paper. I hope you guys revise. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. So, and, and sure enough, as a result of that, I did fine in biology. I didn't do very well in geography. And I had to retake it. So as a result, I was forced to take a gap year. I had nothing planned at all for the entire year, but I just had to retake geography in order to be able to do it uh, as, as a degree. Terribly embarrassing, but it's okay. I feel like I'm with friends and I can admit that. So I did that, and I had this gap year. I had no idea what to do. My friend, the year before, had spent a month working in London. Um, we were from a very rural part of the country called um, Tunbridge Wells. And um, he'd worked in London uh, for a month, and he had um, worked with the homeless. And I thought, well, that sounds like a great thing to do. So I thought, well, I'll just sign, sign up. I'll see if I can do that. So I turn up to London City Mission Headquarters um, in June or July or sometime like that, hoping to work for a month with the homeless. And uh, and I, to my horror, when I got there, I found out that they decide where you work, and they placed me at, an, at a kind of inner-city youth centre. I was like, oh, man, that is the last thing that I would ever really want to do with, my, with the next four months of my life. But anyway, I did it. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it. I worked with children and young people for, for four weeks, uh, living at, that came off this estate, and I absolutely had the best time. It was such an adventure to do that. But the thing that was a real adventure was the following summer, or coming up to the summer, we didn't have a, a kind of a, a, a kids' club or anything like that in the summer at my, the church that I came from. And so I said to my vicar, I was 19, I said, I, went, I said, look, I wonder if there's any chance that me and a couple of my friends, we, we could lead a children's club this summer for you, um, for the kids of the estate where we lived. And because he, he was a great guy, he said, Sure. So me and a couple of friends, we were just 19, I had no idea like, what I was doing really. We just got together and we planned a week of, sort of children's work based upon what I'd seen the, the summer before in London. And um, we had 130 children book on to this week. And I, I felt like I don't, have a, I don't know what I'm doing. I felt like I, could, I know I can tell them a Bible story. I know I can play the guitar and probably sing some songs with them. I reckon I could play football with them. But beyond that, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just hoping that there'll be some mums and dads on, on the team, you know, that will help me out. And fortunately, there were. And I just remember on that very first day, feeling completely out of my depth, feeling like, oh my goodness, what on earth are we doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I remember looking out onto the playground of our local primary school, because that's where we'd held it. I was standing in the hall, looking out onto the playground and seeing this massive line of parents and children queuing up to come to this holiday club that we'd put on. That was an adventure. I had no idea what I was doing. And we did this week, and two girls that week gave their lives to Jesus for the first time. It was such an adventure for us. We were just young, and I didn't know how really to do anything like that. I just felt like I wanted to step out of the boat and to try something. And those sort of experiences are formative, aren't they? Because God proved that he was faithful. He was faithful. You know, the other day, just this is just a, a totally different sort of adventure, really. Um, my son Joshua, he was four. And um, we had a little party at our house um, for him and some of his friends after play school. So I came home and um, I, had lunch, I just came back to their party, had lunch with them sort of thing at the party. 
and most of the people there were from, were from St. Paul's, there was one lady there who wasn't. Josh had invited her, her daughter, which concerned me a lot. No, it didn't really, it was fine. And, um, and um, so, I, so she, we were just sitting around and we were talking, and she just shared this story about her son. Her, she had an older boy. She just told us this story about her, how her son had this... Um, something wrong with his thigh bone which meant in, in his hip sockets his thigh bone was disintegrating and it meant he was just wasn't able to do lots and lots of things that children would love to do and I just had that feeling that there was an adventure coming upon me I thought I can't hear the story I can't have her sit here surrounded by Christians and for us not to at least say would you mind if we prayed for you but you know when that, your heart's racing because it's an adventure? This doesn't happen all the time, does it? People don't do that in every office everywhere in the country. It's stepping out of the boat a little bit. And I thought, well, I don't want to do it here because I feel if I say that to her now and she doesn't want us to pray, this would be really embarrassing and it might ruin Joshua's party. So I went to the toilet. And um, <laughs> I can say that because Mark and Lindsay are not here. If they were here, I wouldn't have said that. Um, but I... Um, I went to the toilet and I prayed in the toilet and that is legal to do that. And so I said, look, God, if I feel like you would like us to pray for this lady and, but I don't want to embarrass her. So if, when I come downstairs, I'm going to go into the dining room and they're all in the front room, please make her come into the dining room so that I can just speak to her. And as soon as I came downstairs, I walked into the dining room and she just comes straight out of the front room and walks into the dining room. I said, like, okay, great. So I said, look, I'm a Christian. We're all Christians here. We go to St. Paul's Church. Would you mind if we pray or if I just pray for your son? And so I did. And she was really, she just seemed really touched that somebody would do that. And my heart was racing. I was worried. I didn't want to like, oh, yeah. Oh, last week, Julie went to um, drop Josh off at play school again. And she came up to Julie. She said, Julie, would you just tell your husband that we had a hospital appointment last night for my son. Uh, not last night, so last, uh, this, this week, last week it was, for my son. And um, would you just tell him that the bone in his hip has started to regrow? Wow. It, you know, I was, that was amazing. That was just, that was, it just felt like it was an adventure. You know? Just trying to step out of the boat. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That Jesus calls us to a life of adventure and sometimes it's a big thing like for me at 19 running that holiday club that felt like a massive thing uh, Abby does it at 19 for the whole church which is amazing but for me that was a big deal and other times it's just that quickening of the heart when you think I feel like I've got to pray for this person and it could be any other number of things but Jesus calls us to a life of adventure you know what it doesn't always go that well though um, I don't know if some of you have done treasure hunting before, and uh, where you kind of—it's like this sort of prophetic evangelism where you pray for words and pray for pictures, and then you go out onto the streets and you look for those people and you pray with them. Well, I've done it a few times. I'm, I'm no expert. I've done it a few times, and sometimes it's been amazing. But the last time I did it, we had some, we had a great time. But the last person <laughs> I had on my list, I had somebody with a green jumper, and I thought, ah, oh, come on. There's got to be somebody in Cambridge wearing a green jumper. This is ridiculous. And I spent, we spent about an hour out there, nobody in a green jumper. This is incredible. And then as we were coming back to college, just near college, I saw 
um, this guy. And he just had a coat on, and his, it looked like he had green sleeves dangling below the cuffs of his, of his coat. I thought, this is it, this is great. And I ran after him. And I've, one of the things I feel I learned, actually, on treasure, if you do treasure hunting, if you have to run after somebody, it probably isn't the person. But I didn't know that. I hadn't learned the lesson at the time, but I've learned that now. Um, just a tip. I don't know. It may not always be true, but that's my experience. I ran after him, and I said, oh, I said, look, I've got this picture of this guy with a green jumper. And, you know, and he just looked at me and said, mate, it's not even a green jumper. It's just the cuff that is green. What are you talking about? I was just like, <laughs> yeah, good point. I don't know. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. You know, sometimes, you know, Peter walked on the water, but he looked at the wind and the waves and he started to sink. Sometimes it doesn't always work out as we think it might do. Winston Churchill, if you ever want a good quote, you can always rely on him. He said this. He said, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. You know, sometimes you step out of the boat and it does go a little bit wrong. But success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. I'm not suggesting that we do things without, you know, just ridiculous things without, you know, prayerfully thinking about them. J.K. Rowling said this, it's impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all. In which case, you have failed by default. Now, adventures involve a degree of risk. And Jesus calls us to live adventurously with him, putting our faith in him, stepping out of the boat and seeing what happens. Point number two, these, the next two are not as long as the first one. Point number two is this. Life isn't always an adventure. I don't know about your day, but my 24 hours don't very often resemble Jack Bauer's 24 hours. Does that make sense, those of you who've seen 24? They really, really don't. Like, he spends a lot of his time intercepting terrorists and running from his own government and rescuing his daughter from her latest harebrained scheme. My 24 hours, they tend to involve things like giving the children Weetabix and, uh, you know, responding to emails and, and putting out the recycling. You know, it just, they don't, it just doesn't really... My, my days are not like his days. You know, when we moved to Cambridge, Julie, um, we'd been there for a few months and Julie was invited to go back to um, Tunbridge Wells and to speak at our home church at a women's event, which like women from all over the town used to come to. And um, we would talk, we'd say, and and it was the speaker's worst nightmare because there was no theme given. That's always really tough. So... We were talking, you were saying, you know, I wonder, she was saying, I don't know, I just don't know what to talk about. And I said, oh, yes. And I was like, yeah, I can't think of anything to talk about either. We're having really fruitless conversations. And then she said, you know, I just feel like at the moment life is just really boring. It's like, it's just mundane. And, um, you know, Julie, she'd, she'd kind of read uprooted, we'd moved house, she'd, she'd left her job. She, was an, she used to be an assistant head teacher, now she wasn't working at all. She used to have lots of friends, and now she didn't know anybody. She doesn't, we didn't have a church or you know, anything. We was, life had completely kind of, the life that we had had ended, and we didn't really have a, a new life yet in, in this new place. And, and, and we just started, said, well, why didn't you talk about that? And we just started talking about it in the kitchen, I remember. And, and as she started sharing, it's just like something was coming out of it, as if like, There's something about being faithful in the mundanity of life. And, you know, she went back and she spoke at this women's event about that, about life can be boring sometimes. And, wow, 
so many people responded to what she, so many people just resonated with it. Because actually the reality is our lives are not like Jack Bauer's life. Our days are not like that. Or at least mine aren't. Julie's aren't. I don't know about yours. But I don't want us to despise the fact that sometimes our days are mundane and life is just kind of, we just plod along. Because actually, you know, I think that faithfulness in the mundanity of life builds strength for the day, the Jack Bauer day. Does that make sense? Anybody can, if you're going to have a day like Jack Bauer, anybody can get up and pray. If you're going to have a, you know, on that day when I ran that holiday club Thursday, wow, I could pray on that day. But to pray when your life consists of giving children Weetabix and responding to emails and putting out recycling, actually that can be quite tough. But, you know, living a life faithful to God in the mundanity of life, I think is what strengthens you for the day that's like Jack Bauer's day, for the day of adventure, for that moment when you sense God saying, step out of the boat step out of the boat and it's like you've put the work in in the mundanity of life and built the strength to respond finally Jesus calls us to a life of adventure when I was um, younger I used to love this passage and um, I, used to, I just used to love Peter's response. That was the thing that did it for me. I just loved the fact that Peter got out of the boat. That was the thing that I just thought, that's so amazing. I love the fact that he just responds with such faith and courage and takes this incredible risk. Actually now, I still love that. But I think what I really love now is not so much Peter's response but I love the fact that Jesus believed in Peter. Jesus believed in Peter. Jesus believed in him enough. He, well, he believed in all the disciples. But he, he, that call was to all of them. Come. Come. Jesus believed in them. And that's why he invited them to step out of the boat. Jesus invited them to share in his world, to enter his world. He had faith in them. He says, take courage. Take courage and come. You know, when we encourage someone, we put in courage. When we encourage someone, we put in courage. We had lunch today uh, and... Uh, my daughter Ella, she made a crumble. She's six. She made it with mummy, but she made the crumble. We had this crumble that Ella.
She says, you know, last time I made a crumble, Daddy said it was the best crumble he's ever had. So when we encourage someone, we put into them the courage to do the same thing again. Jesus says to his disciples, take courage and come. He encourages them. He believes in them. And he invites them to step out of the boat and to walk towards him on the water. And Peter does it. Jesus believes in you. Jesus believes in you. Jesus would say to you, take courage and come. I believe in you. I believe in you tonight. I believe in you tomorrow when you go to work. I believe in you enough to call you to a life of adventure, a life where you might enter into my world, a life where you might see my kingdom come, where you too might walk upon the forces of chaos and see peace restored. Jesus believes in you. Wherever you are, whatever you go to tomorrow, Jesus believes that you could be somebody that would see his kingdom come. And so he invites you. Would you step out of the boat? Would you take courage? And would you come and see my kingdom come? Shall we stand together and let's pray?